Coming to you from the Black Swan Media Studios, this is Fireside Chats, talking to the real difference makers in the world. Now, here is your host, John Crump. Hi, everyone. It is a wonderful Tuesday, which is the second day of the week. My anxiety is killing me today. I don't know why, but um, it is. So that, I mean, it is that. It is what it is. So my name is John Crump. I'm the Virginia Director of Gun Owners of America, which is your only no-compromise gun lobby in D.C. I'm also an investigative journalist that Keeps an eye on the ATF, FBI, and all the other agencies that want to violate your God-given right to bear arms. Today, we are sponsored by, of course, Tusk. Tusk is the only cryptocurrency with low transaction fees, 50 Tusk, and fast transaction times. And I hit the wrong button. Proudly sponsored by TUSC, the only cryptocurrency designed with the firearms market in mind. With three-second processing times, it's the fastest cryptocurrency on the planet. On the planet. With lower transaction fees than traditional credit cards, it's perfect for your e-commerce needs. For gun guys, buy gun guys. Visit TUSC.network for more information and join the digital revolution. And we are also sponsored by the one, the only Black Swan Tactical, makers of fine t-shirts and other wares such as mugs, hats, flags, and patches. Swan Tactical, your number one source for 2A streetwear with shirts, mugs, hats, patches, flags, and more. There's always something to help you rep the 2A community. All proceeds go back into our projects. Viewers and listeners can take an additional 10% off with code CRUMPY, unapologetically pro-gun, pro-liberty, and pro-freedom gear for the front lines of the culture war. And, of course, we are sponsored by the wonderful people such as yourselves all out there. My Patreons, my uh, YouTube Join Army. You can join by hitting that Join button and help support the channel and help support a lot of good causes that I uh, actually give the money to. All right. So, with all that said and all that out of the way, we are joined today by Not the Gun Doctor because I don't know where he is. He's probably... Is he running um, training? Tennessee for man, you couldn't couldn't get Tennessee man on your show, what so you picked see? Florida man. Yeah, he was supposed to be here. I don't know where he is. Um, I don't know if uh, he just forgot or whatever. That's all right. It's all good. He's a good guy. So whatever. We got we got, we have flying rich, um, and he's not wearing a Star Wars t shirt. Everyone out there, me. Uh, I don't own a Star Wars t shirt. What? I don't own one. I, I, I own gun t-shirts. My wife got me this one. It says Yoda one. Yoda one for me. Okay, may the fourth be with you. 
And I was going to wear that one or my son's that says, uh, Yoda, greatest dad in the world. Now, now Gun Doctor would have been good because he did the whole Baby Yoda and Mandalorian thing. Yeah. Well, a whole video I, on that. I don't know where he is. So, <laughs> so, there's, so there's that. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he just missed. Maybe he fell asleep. <laughs> who, who knows? So, uh, Starting out, since you're a 3D printer guy, um, I am making my own little emulator of a uh, Super Nintendo. So I'm printing out oh. the uh, little... Oh, boxes. the Raspberry Pi case? Yeah. Cool. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to emulate... Uh, it's going to be Bluetooth and everything like that, with Bluetooth controller, you know. So it's so gonna, Pi 4, what Pi are you using? Uh, Pi 4. Four gigs of RAM, one gig of RAM, eight, eight gigs, gigs of RAM, eight gigs. Woo! In case I want to, you know, go a little bit fancy and emulate some other games and whatever. Well, yeah, I've got an an ESXi cluster on Raspberry Pis. Nice and Intel, but nice. Uh, this is just uh, actually. It's my mom loves Pac-Man and she loves some other games. She's always like, Oh, you gotta give me something. How to... old is your mom? Uh she turns eighty in July. Eighty and loves Pac-Man. Yeah, she loves huh. other games too. Video games too. So this is actually something that I'm making for her. She doesn't know, but she doesn't watch our podcast. Oh, so. cool. So uh um, right. you, you mean your family's not glued to uh YouTube watching everything you do? No. I, I could yeah, my, my family doesn't watch what I do either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they don't understand. <laughs> they don't understand, but yeah. Uh, so I'm making her this. So All right. she's going to have a so, nice... Go ahead. I'll show you what I've been making. Let's see, where's the base? Oh, here it is. Is this the base? No, that's the base. All right. So I'm building a... Uh, Raspberry Pi cluster for my, so these are all stunt doubles. These aren't my um, ESXi cluster, but there's like racks that the Pi snap into, then they snap into these guys. This is a five port switch whoop, right here. And it's going to fit in here. I got a fan on this. Oh, nice. And so it's going to look like a Mac Pro, and I've got a single, this is a, it's basically a Cat5 joiner. So the, let's see, so the connector from going out from the switch will join it. So the only thing coming out of this will be a power wire and a Cat5 wire. So Why are you doing this Cat goes 5? on the bottom. Cat5 is so uh, like 2000s. Cause Why don't you do like a Cat7? Because... Raspberry Pis don't do anything better than Cat5. I know. Well, you, you, know you can actually make it do something better than Cat5, but uh, you're going to need it to do... Uh, you can do it. I, I can't find the top. Oh, where? All right, I can find... You, you, can, you can do Cat7 on Raspberry Pis. It just takes a lot of work. Yeah, I'm, I'm not doing that. You know, so you know how to do it, right? No, you get a like a uh, if you get a compute module in an ISA board that snaps into the carrier board for the compute module. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I'm not you, doing that. Then you do some soldering and you know. Yeah, 
So here's the miniature of the top. I don't know where the actual top is and the miniature for the bottom. So when I print things, I'll print out uh, like a half size version just so I know it looks good. It'll print right, like if I'm not using supports and those kinds of things. No, that's pretty nice. All right, Rich. I I I, I uh, talked to a few people, and including my therapist, I'm going to buy one of the following: a uh, new Ender Five Plus. Okay. I don't know if you've seen that. Is that the one with the conveyor belt? No, it doesn't have a conveyor belt, but it has like a really big build surface. Okay. Um, it's like the Ender Five Pro, Pro Plus, whatever. It's a like it's like a four fifty millimeter build surface. Um, that four fifty. That's like is that four fifty cubed? Yeah. Well, yeah. Wow. All right. So that's like double an Ender Three. Yeah. Because is it like two thirty or so? I mean, I'd have to get yeah something like that, but it's like double. And we're talking millimeters for those correct those people that aren't in the know. Out of that, a resin printer, which is kind of messy. Ooh. Or there is this often device where you can feed eight filaments into it, and basically you can print and with eight different filaments. Um, and it basically when you change colors, it it basically fuses the filaments together. Okay. Hmm. Now, is that a whole printer, or is that just no? That's a, a standalone box. In so, how do you coordinate the printing and the fuser? You you need like uh, Octoprint yeah. or something? Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll show you. Um, hold on. Let me see if I can find it. It it's really cool. Um, they make a four filament one and an eight filament one. I'm wondering where my parts are. Yeah, it's called the uh, Mosaic Palette 3. Let me just... You're posting an image? No, I'm going to post a video. Oh, here it is. Yeah, so here's the top. So this will... So it'll look like a Mac trash can. Yeah, I, I never understood Printing why they... Printing with four colors is cool. Why they... Always did that type of uh, design. Why Mac went to the trash can? Yeah. Because the fanboys buy crap like that. That's why. Yeah, it looks ugly. Okay, here it is. This is from the 3D printer nerd. I don't know if you've ever watched them or not. No, I only watch uh, Sandalator Error. See, like... So you can load up the filaments here, and they feed in there. They cut right there. This is really cool. I, I love the fusing uh, methodology of changing colors. That that's that avoids a lot of waste. Yeah, it is um, like the Prusa methodology that they they're using. You have to run a lot of, oh, wow. Yeah, so you can do, like, really badass cool. stuff.
So I'm not sure which one I'm going to do yet. Hmm. See, the the big thing for me would be like the sol- soluble filament. That's something I'm interested well, in. Well, I have a I have a dual extruder, so what I do is I do the soluble filament uh, through one extruder to print the uh, support. But yeah, if you can mm-hmm. see right here, you can like print like uh, that's all printed. One piece, you know, no. That's pretty nuts. But the eyeglasses, the color, so they're they're syncing up where the print head's going to be with uh, where the filament Correct. is very precisely. Correct. So it's really cool. So you you do it you like you do this, and you can choose, you know. So you would have to. Um, does Cure do colors, or do you have a different slicer? Well, I mean, well, it's a different. It's uh, I think it's proprietary to the actual system. Okay. So, but yeah, is that cool or what? That is very cool. And how many colors? You said eight. 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 Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's a. I'm trying to find it. <laughs> I, I'm getting an upvote from Space Tex, and he says I'm the favorite guest. Yeah. Oh, this is cool. Where you can um, you can daisy chain them. I was gonna ask about that. Was my first thought. I'm like, hmm. I bet you can daisy chain that. Back. You can. So then you get like a billion different colors. Yeah. Well, um, eight's gonna be enough <laughs> for me. Right, right, and it's Unless very, you want very to print precise. Pictures of people. That's very. It's six hundred dollars for the $600, box. Six hundred dollars. No, six hundred dollars is the one that does four colors. Seven hundred dollars okay. is the one that does, um, eight colors, and they just came out last month. Hmm. So okay, which one? So. Um, all right, Chris has got a question, but hmm, I would either go resin or the eight color. Although, wait, all right, so you're exploring each option. One area you you can print big stuff. One area you can print all sorts of colors. One area you can print like, all sorts of cool resin stuff. Yeah, like ultra uh, high resolution prints. So the question is, which one of those would you, have you found that you need to print bigger stuff that your printers aren't big enough for you? Yeah, and I I have a printer that's uh, three hundred and fifty by three hundred and fifty by three hundred and fifty that I built myself a long time ago that um I kind of broke down and I just put it on the back burner. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I can work on that, revive that one. I'm not sure if uh. Like, like how many parts I need to replace on that to actually get it to work. Dude, just get a Prusa print head and a Prusa control board. Just flash the firmware for the larger sizes and you're good to go. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm thinking about doing. Or get an Ender 3 board. Doesn't, you know. Yeah, we'll, we'll find out. Um, resin, uh, the drawback to resin is that it's messy. So what would your applications for resin be? I'm not really sure. <laughs> and I, 
don't don't get me wrong. Is it nothing fancy that says first kind of cool? Um, you no. know, buying something because it's cool is okay. Duh, like make a little like paintable models and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah, I'm not I'm not into the dust collectors. A lot of people print dust collectors. I do not I'm not into that. I'm into more functional stuff. Yeah. Um I'm I'm into both. So I I like printing out like little paintable models and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Because oh, I don't play with dolls, so I I just right, I just had to send my print over. Um I got to do that. Yeah, I, I haven't printed in a week or two. Um, oh, I, I first, I, I just don't like the printer running. Like I've got a partner desk, so my desk is like a dining room table, and my printers are on the other side of my monitors here. I just don't want the noise going while I'm working. Well, I got and, a little workshop. Yeah, they're my workshop, so I really can't hear them. Mm-hmm. So I basically yeah, see that's cool. Basically, run them like twenty four seven. Really? Oh yeah. I got my print farm all up and running. I had a, all my printers kind of broke down. So it's one of those things where, you know, I was like, I'll fix it later. I'll, I, got, well, they, I got a few more. The most useless room in my house is the dining room. Like we have a quote unquote sitting room and that's our gym. You know, we have uh, the padding and everything, you know, the puzzle piece padded floor kind of stuff. Yeah, I got one of those in my gym. And uh, I'm sure your gym is better than my gym. No. And your your because I I only got a couch and a TV. I don't have a media media room or anything like that. So, um, but Florida is much better than Virginia. That's all I got to say. You got alligators that would eat you. <laughs> Hasn't happened yet. So, um, yeah. If I I really wish my I could print. I used to keep the printer in the garage, but the humidity is an issue. So you're filaments absorb moisture at different rates you don't have a so you don't have any uh those dry boxes yeah you know my no i don't have my printers enclosed in anything so no, no they yeah, have, if they have uh a special thing oh you that, mean like a filament box yeah you put the filament in there with desiccant and, yeah no uh they they have a box where it's like basically a dehumidifier you stick the filament in there and you, okay yeah and you let it go for uh for like three hours and it's like totally dry. Oh no. Well, I, I do have a food dehumidifier or I'm sorry, food. What do you call it? When you dehumidify food, um, dehydrate, dehydrated. That's it. Yeah. So I, I got a dehydrator for my filament, but what I have seen and a good point to what you're saying is I could put my printers in the garage and I could put the spool in like, uh, you know, plastic thing, and print ports for it for the filament to come out and uh, yeah. the spools to, you know, a spindle for the spools and stuff like that. And this way, uh, you know, the filament isn't exposed to the humidity of South Florida. That. Yeah. So something like that. You can DIY that. How much is that? It's 60 bucks. bucks? 60 it, bucks. Dang. It, it has the, uh, the dehumidifier built into it. Yeah, so you could throw rice or you know the desiccant crystals in there. Yeah, you can, but this, if you're DIYing it, yeah, but this isn't like um, this is you know it's electronic, so it will basically. Dude, I'm it's like, cheap. It's like the dehumidifier. 
Um, uh, also, you can set like you can set it like to see how much humidity you want in there, and it also measures the humidity and everything else of like the filament and stuff like that. So, for all of my guest appearances, you could just send that to me. All right, I make like probably two dollars. Uh, <laughs> I'll send you some Tusca. You can buy it. How about that? Tusk, I'm already a Tusk billionaire. You can send me another million. That's good. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna tell you right now. A uh, little hint: if you want to get on Tusk, get on it now. So, if I was gonna buy Tusk, how do I do that? All right, uh, there might be a different way coming up soon. That's gonna be a lot easier. But you can buy it on Probit. If you go to Tusk.network, it has all the links. But Probit is very, very simple to buy Tusk. Okay. Uh, let's go ahead and I'll walk you through it. I don't have anything on Probit right now. So let me just uh, show everyone how to do it here. I don't keep no. any of my stuff on Probit. I, I, I want to log in. I don't want to show everyone. Oh, unlike me with um, that I lost all my Bitcoin with Mount Gox. You had Mount Gox? What? Because I lost 230 I'm, Bitcoin with Mount Gox. Mount Gox was the first place you can buy Bitcoin, and it was... I mined um, mine. Or, or you mined it. But yeah, my, Mount Gox was like the first Bitcoin trading thing, and it was actually originally a Magic the Gathering trading card game. That's why Mount Gox, Magic the Gathering. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, exchange. So that was kind of interesting. Uh, let's get. So, some, do I, I, I create account or do I buy Tusk? Uh, you can. Tusk you you got to create purchased. an account to buy Tusk. I have an account. I just got to remember where it is. Okay. Uh, would an Ender Five be a good choice for someone who doesn't know anything about printing, or is that a better option? Um, Ender Five is a great option. Uh, I I like the fact of building your first three D printer. But that's just me. So okay, I th I think it depends. Or right, I have an Anet A8, and it's like an eight-hour assembly time. Now you're not soldering or anything, but you're screwing all of these little pieces together. It, and I think I'm fairly skilled as far as doing automotive mechanic work. The flat rate book I could always beat the flat rate book by fifty percent. So if it says it takes two hours to do a job, I can do it in an hour. So I think I'm fairly mechanically adept, unlike this one commenter on my uh, YouTube video on how to attach a, what was it? I, I put a red dot on my Ruger 5.7, and this guy said I have no mechanical ability and no should not be making videos. Uh, but I said, post your own video, I'll critique it. And uh, so the going back the anet a8 takes about eight hours to assemble with somebody you know it, you don't they give you all the tools you really need a screwdriver maybe pliers and i i think all of that stuff's included the anet a8 takes like two three hours to put together and you're you're just you're not even basically it's like the base you flip it upright you connect the top to the bottom and then you make some adjustments it's very simple yeah, it said it just depends on what you want. Can you print an A10? That yes. would be awesome. You can print an A10. It's not like a full size A10. <laughs> it's a really big printer. All right, so let me show you how to buy Tusk. All right, so you go to Probit, probit.com. You sign in there, right? 
We're going to come to this page where it's going to have all this stuff right here. Uh, I don't have anything in here. I don't keep anything in my probit account, but uh, you have over here, you have balance withdrawal uh, deposit. You have orders, open orders, whatever. This is when you sell stuff, whatever. Mm -hmm. So uh, basically what you can do, um, you have a bunch of different things here. So did I just, I just started, I just jumped into it, didn't I? All right. So if you want to buy something, let me go back here. Actually, I think I can get to it just right here. So let's go. So wallet, this is all the stuff. I don't have anything here. So you can do deposits, whatever. Um, First thing you got to so, do is you got to load Bitcoin into here. So you got to send Bitcoin to your Bitcoin wallet, which I don't have. Okay. So it's going to be. Which, so can you do it with cash on ProBit or no? Uh, I've never done it with cash on ProBit. I don't, yeah, I, no, I think you have to have Bitcoin. So you have to get something like a Coinbase or whatever. Um, and then from here, um, you can do where's Tusk. So there's no way I could buy Tusk with cash? Uh, right now, no, because it's not on a fiat exchange that might be changing. Okay. That's what I'm saying. I think gotcha. you should buy it. Uh, you can go to trade and go trade Bitcoin Tusk. So it's going to be the other way around. You can, you can, they have what's called trading partners where you can exchange. So you mm -hmm. take this and uh, you basically just, I don't have anything in here, so it's not going to work, but you exchange your Bitcoin for Tusk. Where you have to see a buy Bitcoin, sell Tusk. If I went the other way, it would say. Okay, so I could buy Bitcoin with cash and then have the Bitcoin and buy Tusk. Yeah, you transfer it um, to the Tusk. Okay. So let me just do this again since I screwed up. You go over here, Tusk, right? Boom. So trade Bitcoin Tusk. So. Did I just do the damn thing? Oh, God. I'm, I suck. <laughs> okay, so Space Texan asked, how does Bitcoin mining work? Well, I was mining like 10 years ago, more than 10 years ago, I guess. And uh, back then, you could get a fairly decent graphics card. And so I had uh, two motherboards. Motherboard doesn't have to be anything spectacular, but you just want a board that has a bunch of uh, PCI slots for the graphics cards. So I had two motherboards, uh, four graphics card per motherboard. I had custom water-cooled uh, blocks made for the GPUs, and I had a Ford Fiesta radiator and a water pump running, and it Basically, the, they're running at like 1,500 watts. And so two things. One, if I took all the money that I used to buy mining equipment and just bought Bitcoin in 2010 and kept my own damn private wallet, I wouldn't be talking to any of you people today. Uh, two, if I continuously mined, even then, even when the price of Bitcoin, which like, I don't know, between 10 and 30 bucks at the time, even when it went down, if I continuously mined, I probably would have had like 800,000 Bitcoin. Uh, but I didn't because it was costing more in electric than the revenue of the Bitcoin. Right now, Bitcoins, if you're not mining with an ASIC, 
which is application-specific integrated circuit, you're probably not going to be breaking even on the electricity. No, no. Uh, you you have like you have different like things. You have like proof of stake and whatever. And Bitcoin takes up a lot of power by um, using a lot of electricity. Because it basically uses your GPU, right? To mine. Uh, there is other currencies out there. Cardano, for example, or Tusk, that doesn't really take up that much power to mine time. It's like CPU cycles, basically. Um, instead of GPU, uh, it it's gonna it will get really really technical, but it oh, there there are certain coins out there that aren't as power hungry for power consumption, but right now Bitcoin is very very power hungry. You know. How would you describe a proof of uh, stake cryptocurrency? Uh, I'm not even familiar with the term. Okay, well, it's <laughs> it's how like hate to say different cryptocurrencies work. Proof of stake basically uh, is basically it, it goes out to the blockchain, right? So you have uh, like a mechanism where. Uh, work is is proven by certain validators in proportion to whatever the stake okay. is. Okay, so that's how Bitcoin is mined. Yeah. Okay, so um, basically first off, I, I don't, there might be some coins worth mining. I'm not sure which ones because I've kind of, Cardano you know, is one. And then again, my my miner. One, it's in Minnesota. Uh, I left it there. And two, it's 10-year-old hardware. So I don't know that it would be any good for anything. Um, you're prob- if you do find something, one, graphics cards are crazy expensive, even more so right now oh, yeah, because of the chip, chip shortage. Yeah, definitely the chip shortage due to COVID. So uh, that's, that's affecting... Every industry. Yeah, it's a basically if you think of the ammo shortage, that's the chips shortage. For right now, if you wanted to mine something, I would not even mine it on my own hardware. Um, I would do something like an Amazon server, but I wouldn't do Bitcoin on an Amazon server though, like an ASW. Yeah, I do like Cardano, one of the other ones that aren't as power hungry. So you're talking about not doing GPU uh, mining, but yeah, doing CPU no. type mining? Yeah. That would make sense. It's a, it's a lot less power intensive because stuff like uh, Ethereum and Bitcoin is going to... Okay. So Space Texas is asking, what is mining? So mining is you're using a cryptographic algorithm uh, and you're solving complex equations. And then each one of those hash units gets put together and becomes a coin. And I had a setup where I was like, um, when I was mining, I was working in conjunction with other people that were mining. And then our bits would get connected together and you would get a fraction of a Bitcoin. Instead of having to solve one coin yourself, you would be able to group together 
the pieces and then have one coin out there and get the fraction of the coin. Yeah, if uh, if you remember a couple of years ago, there was a shortage on graphics cards, and that was because miners were buying up all the graphics cards. Because yep. the same it's the same cards that are like used in gaming is used in graphics. Yeah, the, basically it's floating point operations. Mm-hmm. So your CPU doesn't do that well, but graphics cards really do it well. Yeah, so I mean, it's just different types of stuff. But I think we're going to be forced to use crypto sooner than later for gun purchases. Well, all right. so crypto, voluntary crypto usage is one thing. And and I I was going to do a crypto podcast with this guy 10 years ago. And he always said uh, he doesn't like it referred to as cryptocurrency because there's nothing crypto about it other than the algorithm to solve the uh, coin. Yeah. You know, in other words, to the mining portion of it. But at the, the at problem, some point, it becomes in, in the American lexicon. Right, right. And, you know, unfortunately, it's not so. The, the problem with something like Bitcoin is if the government went to a version of Bitcoin, I think J.P. Morgan Chase uh, patented some form like Bitcoin. Is that, and, and of course, they're, they're in the central bank business, so of course they would be wanting to get to market and wanting to push the government towards it. The problem with uh, uh, a cryptocurrency, and I'm using that in quotes, is that if I went over to John's house, I say, hey, John, that's a cool gun. Let me give you $200 for that. He said, fair deal. Here's the gun or whatever transaction it may be. You know, whether it's like I want to buy your 3D printer, here's 200 bucks. Can I buy it? That's if I use cash, you know, $100 bills, nobody knows what happened to them, even though they have a serial number on them. They're basically not traceable, just like firearms that have serial numbers on them and nobody knows where they are. So the problem with a cryptocurrency is that every single transaction is trackable. You can see it went from one wallet to another wallet. And if you can figure out the identification of the person, of course, if the U.S. government come up with comes up with a cryptocurrency, you're going to be assigned a wallet, period. And they're going to know who you are and how you spend your money. And the problem with that is then every transaction is traceable and taxable. So, you know, if I buy a lawnmower at a yard sale and hand the guy some cash that's one thing, but they will then be able to tax me on that. Yeah. Crypto if, people if, think cryptocurrency is anonymous and it's really not. Uh, no, it's I, absolutely not anonymous. I, I turned in an article. It might be actually up. I don't know. It, they're probably still editing. I doubt that it's up now, but it's all about that stuff. Um, for example, uh, I don't know if you, there was a, um, everyone knows about the Silk Road, but there was other, type of uh, places like the Silk Road after the Silk Road kind of went away, right? And like one of the biggest ones at the time was called Wall Street after Silk Road went away. They busted the like the guys who ran Wall Street by tracking the Bitcoin to a Coinbase wallet. And then where he cashed, had cashed out for cash. Right. Yeah. So eventually you're probably going to want to put cash in, pull cash out, something. 
and that's where they're going to find out the identity. They, you know, your wallet has some, you know, large string that's associated with it. And they're going to figure out that was Richard Hughes that took all that money out. And so let's arrest him. There's ways around it, but it's not exactly easy. Uh, you can use certain altcoins, exchange Bitcoin for certain altcoins and get, a, and get around it. But still, you're you're gonna. They just it makes the tracking a little bit more complicated. I'm not familiar with altcoin, but I'm assuming at some point you're gonna cash out on that. Well, yeah, it's it's uh, it's very very it's it's complicated. Uh, an altcoin isn't exactly one coin; it's uh, a bunch of different coins. So mm-hmm. you transfer it through a bunch of different altcoins, and then you eventually transfer it back to Bitcoin, and then you pull it out of a wallet. So basically, you get lost in the mix. Okay. By going to these, but then the coins. government still knows you pulled X amount out of a Bitcoin wallet, but they don't have a complete paper trail. Yeah, they can't tell where it came from. It's basically like washing the money. Like think of it as mm-hmm. laundering the money through altcoins. Right. Because you can always say, no. "Hey, I had all these altcoins, and they went up, so that's where the money came from." Right, right. And and that's why you never want to take out $9,999 out of the bank and do it for multiple times because that's called structuring. But if you take $10,001 out, that's not a crime. It's just reportable. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, very, very interesting how, how you do it. Um, yeah, a lot of people do the uh, altcoin method to get their dirty money out of crypto. I'm not telling you how, and I'm not saying that I, I've done that stuff. <laughs> I just know a lot about it. It's a interesting ways to do it, um, but there, there's ways. It's just not straightforward, and a, a lot of people screw up because they don't do it the right way. Uh, and, and we and there is an off uh, offline. Uh, offline coin system called cold storage or you can do a flash drive Uh, you can either do it one thing you can have a wallet on a flash drive that's not connected to the internet with all your crypto in it or you can do cold storage which is basically printed out on a piece of paper yep yeah which I've had so many thumb drives go bad on me yeah well the um, you know the what what are the the Wachowski twins? What are their names? I think I know who you're talking. The Facebook about. guys. Yeah. At one point, they had they were like big investors in the Bitcoin. Um, there's a good book by Ben Resurch about it called the what is it? The Bitcoin billionaires. And at one point, that they were they were big into uh, Coinbase. They're the ones who like mm. kind of start Coinbase, which is massive. At one point, they had something like two hundred fifty million dollars on a piece of paper cut into three strips, stored in three different safety deposit boxes around the country. So you wow. couldn't you couldn't steal that money because you would have to find these little banks because they didn't have them in big banks; it was all little banks. Wow. So you would have to find these little banks with with a strip of paper and you would have to have uh, all three pieces of paper. 
crazy. There is another story where there's a guy who had, uh, I think it was like $25 million in Bitcoin uh, engraved into the inside of his uh, ring. (laughs) Which kind of brings up a, did you see the movie? I think it's called In Time. Uh, Is that the one with, uh, what's his face? Is it Justin Timberlake? Yes, yes. Where, like, they had time, people could trade time and buy, yeah. I I was shocked at how good that movie was. It was actually really good. (laughs) Cold storage sounds like spy stuff. Basically, it is. (laughs) Can be. Yeah, you could print a QR code out and uh, that's your wallet. Yeah, you can do all sorts of stuff. Which, actually, I probably got to get a copy of my Tusk uh, onto another computer in case anything happens here. If you don't know, uh, the way that uh, like a, a crypto wallet works is you have um, you have two keys, basically, you, or two addresses. You have a private address and a public address. How do I know which is which? Is it the one that starts TUSC, the public one? Yes. It looks like a username. Right. So I'm just going to email you my Tusca keys. Okay. I'm teasing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, basically what you have is you have two different... Uh, Two different addresses. One is your public, one's your private. Your public is where people send money to. You don't want to give away your private. <laughs> if you do that, they have all all in so there's a complex passphrase that goes along with that to unlock it, correct? Yeah. It's like a like a twelve word like twelve random words or something like that. I am not sure. I don't quote me 16. on the sixteen. 16 words yeah it's just like random stuff um yeah it's kind of like pgp um dj play nice yes yeah it's it's yeah it's kind of like pgp uh so shooting gallery new england i am not buying dogecoin dogecoin is a mean coin uh you can and it's basically like gambling because it's so why is elon musk Always pimping that. Because it's a meme to him. It's a meme. He thinks it's funny because every time he says, I'm the Doge father or whatever, it shoots up. (laughs) But uh, it's a meme coin, so it doesn't, it's way overinflated. It really doesn't have the value that it does, and it's going to, the bubble is going to burst on that. You um, mean like tulips? Yeah. So you, you could uh, get really screwed. Getting or you can screwed. make a lot of money. It just depends on when you buy. When you get out. Yeah. It's a, it's a pump and dump, basically. Mm-hmm. So it's it's dangerous. Uh, if you go into it, don't. 
uh, put any money into it that you're not willing to lose because there's a good chance you're going to lose it. You can make money, but there's a good chance you can lose that money because it's going to come crashing down to earth. And when it does, a lot of people are going to be wiped out. Yeah. My rule for that is, you know, like you said, don't put any money in you're not willing to lose. My other rule is um, when you start making money, like if you double your money, take take half out. Now now it's all play money. Oh, yeah. Just let it ride. Yeah. Uh, what about Atherum? I don't know anything about that crypto. Did he mean Ethereum? Maybe you meant Ethereum. Ethereum is pretty solid. It's one of the pillars out there, along with Bitcoin. To, yeah, I don't know how hard it is to mine Ethereum right now. Yeah, it, it's hard. I wouldn't mine it. Maybe buy it. But mining is probably not a good idea. Th- that's another one that's uh, very GPU heavy. That's why you need stuff like Cardano and stuff like that. Buying a lot of Cardano. Is that a wine? What is that? What? Cardano? I know it's some cryptocurrency, but... I, I never even heard of it. Yeah, it's uh, it's less power intensive, so I think uh, it's going to be one of the one of the bigger things, and uh, like Toyota's using it and stuff like that. Their blockchain I heard, technology. I heard Florida Power and Light. Um, when they have too much power, they mine Bitcoin. It wouldn't surprise me. I don't know if that's true. I don't know. And Tesla does. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, the Tesla has a, a bunch of a huge mining farm. It's all powered by like solar and stuff though. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Chris, uh, she makes us putting my 401k into Dogecoin was a bad idea. Ooh, yeah. Wow. That would be a very bad idea. Yeah. Not the way to go. Yeah, uh, basically the way I look at it is crypto is something new and a lot of people are getting into it right now and don't really understand it. And that's going to be a dangerous time. And and that's why you see these like wild swings in the crypto market. Yeah, I I mean, I kind of used to day trade Bitcoin between dollars back and forth because it would swing just so predictably and so wildly every day. So I was like, oh, you know, time to sell. Oh, time to buy. I missed that cycle. I'll just hold. And then, you know, next day it was back again. Yeah, yeah, you can make, there is money to be made that way. But there's money to be lost that way, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Rich is showing off his not green pole. Hold on. Uh, Yeah. You know, my friend lived very in Florida hard. and he didn't have a, and he had a pole, but except it was just in his backyard. You mean not, not covered? Not covered. And uh, he got it covered when he found an alligator in it one morning. 
<laughs> That'll do it. Yeah. yeah you... See, what I'm not showing you is my tiki hut that's coming apart. Uh, you Florida man, you. Yeah, I uh, I grow dragon fruit, so that's my uh, agricultural area. Oh, dragon fruit's good, man. They had a, I used to eat it a lot over in uh, the Philippines. Oh, okay. Yeah, they had some other fruits over there that no one really eats over here. Yeah, I got um, like about a dozen different species of dragon fruit that I'm growing. Okay, let's let's we got, we got about ten minutes left, so let's go ahead and uh, I want to get off this. I want to get on to actual gun stuff. Gun stuff. Yeah, Friday the ATF's coming out with their ruling on eighty percent. What do you think well, it's going to say? Is it a ruling or is it a request for comments? Well, it, it's going to be, a re, it's not a ruling. They're going to put out, this is what we want. We need to request for comments. It's going to be like a 90-day period. Then after, you watched my video today, didn't you? Yes, of course I did. Yeah, then after the 90-day period, uh, then they're going to have six, they're gonna, 60 days to review the comments. And then probably another 30 to 60 days to actually put whatever they do into practice. So, all right. The, I think there's a couple of easy guesses on this. Uh, one easy guess is um, you can't define an 80% lower, a 90% lower, a 10% lower. You you can't define that. Well, no, that's never been defined by the ATF. It was always right. a marketing thing. Yes, yes, yeah. And so what I'm saying is how easy you you could say if I had this CNC machine running with this carbide bit at this speed, how long would it take me to make an operable firearm from that block of aluminum, whatever percentage we call it? That, that's still, you know, that, that's contemplating how many fairies can dance on the head of a pin kind of thing. But I think what you can do is say your homemade firearm has to have a serial number and be registered. Yeah, that's what I think that they're going to say. Um, I think they're going to grandfather the ones that are already out there. And so they may they may say, all right, Polymer 80, you have to put a serial number on everything that goes out. Yeah. Uh, Chris Shoemake says they're not going to do anything without getting sued. And that is true. Good luck. You got the money? Does Chris Shoemake have the money? Yeah. I, you know, the question is, you're right. If you're right, can, do you have enough money to prove it in court? Well, we're going to film. GOA. Cool. We're already ready. That, that's, that's why I send GOA money. Yeah. I should be a life member like Richard Monder. Yeah. Uh, I hooked him up with the person that can help him. Oh, good, good. I found his and, email in my spam. Oh, no. Okay, yeah, he told me you replied to him. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I, I found it. Because he, he commented on our, our Saturday night stream, hey, I emailed you. I was like, I never saw it. Oh. Then I went back and looked in my spam, and I found it in my spam. So what people don't know, Richard Maunders from England, he is a Second Amendment advocate. And I don't know if you live in England. I know if you live in the United States and you like people in Britain, you're called an Anglophile. I don't know what you're called if you live in England and like Americans, but he's that. That's what he is. 
And he wants to be an American citizen in the worst way. And he believes in all of these organizations um, like GOA, Second Amendment Foundation. What's the Arizona? Citizens Defense League. CDL, yeah. Yeah. So he's become a life member in I don't know how many 2A organizations. And and I, I don't know how to say this delicately. So Richard Maunder's not rolling in money. Let, Let me just put it to you that way. Um, so he kind of embarrasses me. I'm like, yeah, I, I really need to start doing what he does. Uh, yeah. And he's not even here. That's the, that's a really cool thing. Right. About right. Him. Yeah. He, he wants to be here. So Richard was asking, he's, uh, you know, with various organizations, he's gotten life memberships, but he hasn't gotten the card and he wants the card. So, you know, he was asking me about, you know, GOA and I'm like, I'll, I'll make some calls or, you know, I know who to talk to. Yeah, I, I got to point that way. Yeah, I, I got him directly in contact with the person that runs that department, the director of that department. So the director of membership is handling it personally. So uh, flip it back to like you had JDS on yesterday. Um, I. So they're going to be at Iraq Veteran. I, I, I was hoping they were going to bring some lowers that I could buy in cash at Iraq Veteran, but he's saying it's an industry thing. I'm like, yeah, I know it's an industry thing. I'm going to be there. Um, but it'd be nice if you brought product with you. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure if you asked him to bring something for you, he probably would. I'm just interested in trying out their binary trigger for the Glock. That's cool. That is very cool. I am going to get one as soon as possible. I see. I'm not going to say I fully understand how a binary trigger works in an AR, but there's, you know, a bunch of mechanisms, you know, a bunch of clockwork type mechanisms in there. I'm like to get that working in a Glock, you've got to be a freaking genius because there's not enough room for all of that. Well, in an AR, like uh, the Franklin binary, binary trigger, uh, the form factor is identical to um, a regular AR trigger. It's not exactly rocket science. Really? Yeah. 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 But that's that's cool. Um, I wonder where they're going to put the selector switch at. <laughs> That's what hmm. I'm wondering. It's going to be Unless it's just binary all the time. It could be. Kind of like, uh, what is that company? The the Rare Breed Trigger. Oh, okay, I'm not familiar with them. It's, uh, honestly, with the Rare Breed, I think they should be able to sell whatever they want, but... um. It's basically like a bump stock and a trigger. Oh, okay. So I don't know um, how they went to a lawyer and didn't get an opinion letter. So, so yeah, I, I guess what I'm expecting from the AFT is um, they require serialization. Yeah, we'll find out. Because I, I don't think they're coming out with some sort of definition. That that would be, that's kind of tough. But, you know, like everybody's been saying, homemade firearms isn't a big deal. 
everybody's been doing that. That's how firearms originated. They were built at home. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just scary terms like ghost guns and stuff like that. Yeah, I, you know, I guess because I fully understand what a ghost gun is, it doesn't bother me. And I'm just wondering, does does it make other people nervous? It, and I, I always find it interesting that people want to say, well, why would you want to build your own gun? I mean, same reason I want to build my own car or build my own airplane or build my own fill-in-the-blank, build my own 3D printer. Because if I build it, then I fully understand how the thing works. It makes sense to me. And it's like when my ANET had a problem... I had no problem going in and fixing it. When my Ender 3 had a problem because I didn't build it, I'm like, I don't know what broke, and I'm not sure how to fix it. It took me a little bit to get over that hump. And you know that's why I've built AR-15s and you know polymerity versions or 3D printed my own versions um, because then I know how the darn thing works, and I can repair it. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've been on for almost an hour, and... Um... I'm not exactly feeling too well right now. Oh, okay, buddy. I have no idea. I, I made you sick? Did no, I make you sick? No, I just forgot to take my allergy medicine today, and I forgot to take it the day before and the day before that. Oh, man. So I, I hate freaking allergies, man. They just suck. And it's not COVID. I had COVID already, thanks to Rich. No problem. And uh, I also, I'm also vaccinated. I know all your anti-vaxxers are going to hate that. Yeah, I, I went straight to the source. Yeah, so two different things. So I don't have COVID. It's just uh, allergies. So I'm I'm going to probably grab some food and go back to eat. Going to go back to sleep. Alrighty, buddy. Tomorrow I do have a guest on. Um, uh, there's a channel called Dark Light Dugan, which is uh, Ashley Dugan from back in the from old days, Gun Tube. And uh, a couple other guys. Uh, so I'm going to have their podcast on tomorrow, which is kind cool. of interesting because I found out they they live near me. Uh-huh. <laughs> like walking distance. <laughs> so wait, what, what's Gun Doctor's real name? Is it John something? I forget. I can't remember. So, but tomorrow it's a, a 10 o'clock show. Uh, Thursday is a 10 o'clock show. I'm trying to get everything done because on... On on um Saturday is our two hundredth anniversary show. Two hundred. Yeah. And there's actually so, a couple more because I had some specials that weren't numbered. So who's been your most frequent guest? Probably you. You're in? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, serious. <laughs> By far you, actually. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I've had about 170 different guests. Wow. Wow, that, that's good then. Yeah. Uh, 30 repeat guests, including you, multiple times. But yeah. Cool. About 170 from uh, Jason David Frank, the uh, Red uh, the Green Power Ranger, to uh, you, um, course uh tony simon's one of my favorite guests oh yeah he's great we we've had we've had a couple new york times best-selling authors on uh 
some other YouTuber, Jared from Guns and Gadget, Hank, um, American Guncheck, Clovertag, G Webs, um, just a lot of different people. Jordan Stein, GOA mm -hmm. people. We've had a lot of uh, big names, and it's been a lot of fun talking to a lot of people. So we're gonna go over all this on uh, on Saturday. So from what time to what time? Uh, it's gonna start at ten, and I don't know when it's gonna end. Ten in the morning? No, ten at night. Ten at night. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're not gonna do Virginia Reloaded. I did an interview with Nick Freitas for Virginia Reloaded. Oh, cool. And that's gonna come out on uh, John Crump News. If you go to John Crump News, you can follow and, that channel. And Nick's still the most wanted man in America or just can't fly? Nick Freitas? Isn't he the guy they banned? He put him on the no-fly list? No. He's a politician. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure he uh, he's on the no-fly list. Maybe. I don't know. He's a former Dude, I thought you knew everything. Apparently not. That, 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 that thought that might have came up. We've had some uh, senators, had some Congress people on. We've had a lot of different politicians on. So it, it's a it's a lot of fun, and uh, yeah, we're gonna keep on doing it. Cool. But with that said, I'm gonna kick it over to Rich for the final word. Oh, well, uh, follow me on YouTube.com slash Flying Rich or FlyingRich.com or Instagram, FlyingRich underscore official. Yeah. Shooting Gallery, New England, Gorillas and Guns have both been on as well. And they're out there. <laughs> and are good guys. Yeah. 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 You, I, I heard you in, a, in Shooting Gallery, New England are going to be shocking up. Yeah, we're going to be spooning. Uh, so in... You're you're gonna be at the hotel next to us. It's like the parking lot adjoins. Yeah, so that's we'll what you're right telling me. Yeah. That's where the yeah, whole we're gonna GLA be at the Super Eight. Same. <laughs> so we're gonna be at the Super Eight. Um, so there's four of us. So we're sharing two rooms. Uh, I'm I'm gonna be with um, Chris Illog. He's local here, so we're gonna be riding up together. And uh, let's see. So. Uh, Shooter Gallery, New England. Joe is going to be with X7 Studios. Oh, nice. All right. Well, I ordered uh, some uh, my new Rode hand mic and everything, so that should be really cool. And it and it plugs right into this, my my Rode wireless go to. So you can broadcast from the Iraq veteran event. Yeah, we had a live stream with with yeah, professional sound you're audio. You're probably not going to live stream from there. I can record. Yeah, you can record. The The Wi-Fi coverage isn't so good. Unless, do you have a drone? I can bring my 4G hotspot. We can just hover it over. I have a drone. I got a uh, Mavic 2. Okay. Yeah, we'll just sticky tape my 4G hotspot to fly it up like 200 feet, right? There you go. <laughs> All right, Rich. I'll see you guys later. We are Ended. out. Oh.